Hi, I'm Nitin Manchanda and this is SEO in 2023. Nitin, what's your number one SEO tip for 2023? Well, I would, uh, as we know, SEO is a demand-based growth channel. So my number one tip would be we should focus on matching the uh, demand and supply parameters because there are a lot of parameters that we often juggle with and we miss these important things. So the opportunity, finding new opportunity is really easy when you're looking at supply parameters and demand parameters and we should not miss on that. Okay, so focus on demand. How do you establish what the demand is? Well, for that, I would, uh, for example, go for detailed keyword research and also competitor research to understand what people are searching for. And then I can create those clusters. So that is what I'm calling demand parameters. Got you. Okay. And are there any most effective ways to establish which keywords to be aiming for nowadays? For example, is it all about keyword volume? How do you determine relevance and optimum phrases to be targeting? Yeah, well, there are a lot of parameters that I uh, consider in my keyword research. So keyword difficulty is another important one, which tells you how easy or difficult it is to crack a particular keyword. And then keyword search volume is, of course, important, which tells you how how many uh, times a keyword is searched in a given month, in a given geography or global. Right. And then I also look at uh, sometimes CPC. So that tells you if, you know, a keyword for which a lot of people are or, or the brands are paying a lot of money. That means there is demand and there are good chances of converting. So, yeah, I think these are some parameters that I look to understand how important a keyword can be for a brand and about the relevance. Of course, I mean, when you look at uh, these keywords, you can understand whether you have a good supply for that or not. Right. If you see, for example, if you're you're an e-commerce and you see there's massive demand for black dresses, but you don't have supply for that, then there is no point even going for that keyword. Because if even if you create a landing page and uh, you know generate some traffic for commercial intent queries related to black dresses, but you're not able to fulfill that, no point. Users won't stay there, and you won't be able to sustain or retain those rankings, and you're out of the game in no time. Yeah, CPC is a good one, actually, because um, it obviously tells you commercially how much traffic may be worth if it converts at similar rates to paid traffic. Yeah. Uh, you also mentioned keyword difficulty there. So, so which software platform do you use to establish keyword difficulty? And how do you actually determine if you've got a chance of ranking for that keyword phrase? Yeah, well, I've been using SEMrush for that, and I love that tool. It's reliable and it's really easy to use as well. So yeah, SEMrush is my code tool for that. And how do you establish if, if you've got an opportunity, a chance to, to, to rank? Obviously, depending on the keyword score and then depending on, I guess, your history as a domain, as, a, as an authority in your niche, as, 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 a, as a decent recognized entity will impact whether or not you may or may not be able to rank for fairly difficult keywords. So how do you determine if you're able or likely to rank for those difficult keywords? Yeah, well, it, it, it really depends on what kind of uh, domain I'm working on. So if I'm working on rather fresh domain, which doesn't have a strong authority, I would go for a strategy where I'm focusing on long tail with less keyword difficulty to begin with. And once I start gaining Google's trust on these keywords and start ranking on them, I'll gradually move to more and more difficult keywords. On the other hand, if I'm working with well-established brands, for example, Amazon, 
right? So whatever related to e-commerce they create a landing page for, they will rank, you know, almost immediately. So there, I think they sh their content strategy shouldn't be uh, similar to what, you know, an e-commerce startup would go for. So they can directly go for super head term keywords with massive search volume and high keyword difficulty because they can still crack it as they have amazing authority already in that particular niche. And if you're starting work for a domain name that perhaps is new or websites that's that, that, that's new, do you go about publishing the content um, as a blog post to begin with? You, where about in the website do you publish the content? What content do you publish? And also, do you try to build links to drive initial authority to that piece? Yes, absolutely. So I would do both. So uh, content, uh, when you push content, so of course, I mean, you can go uh, as blog, right? Or even in some cases, when this domain is about, you know, uh, getting some or generating some uh, traffic where the intent would be commercial, you can also create your product category pages. That's totally fine. And you can have some content there. So it really doesn't matter like what kind of pages you're publishing with content. It really matters what kind of content you're publishing, right? So I would just go that way where I'm just focusing, okay, well, if I'm expecting traffic where people are searching for buy black dresses, that cannot be a blog post. That would be uh, maybe a category page and I would just put nice content there so that I'm answering all the questions that a user might have. And yeah, that's how I will think about the quality of content for that particular page. You've mentioned intent a couple of times. How do you go about establishing a user's intent? Yeah, for that, uh, I use SEMrush and uh, they have data, which is, I would say, not 100%, but at least 70% reliable. But I also do a manual check on that to understand, especially for the main keywords, right, important keywords. I cannot just blindly trust, uh, you know, how a tool is putting that in a category. So I do that. That's my uh, first step, which basically solves like 70% of my problem. And then I, I do a quick scan to understand how keywords are you know, mapped in terms of intent. Yeah, so that's what I do. And you also talk about connecting demand with supply. So so how do you actually define and determine what to supply, i.e. what content to create in order to satisfy the intent? Yeah, well, so once we know the demand parameters, it's very important to understand whether we have the right supply for that because we don't want to generate traffic which, which doesn't convert which you know leads to high bounce rate and then never and the user never wants to come back to us right so here from the from supply perspective i want to see if a user's intent is informational do we have the right content for that user and if the user's intent is commercial or user wants to buy something or you know want to do something on the website but you don't have that something for the user then you don't have the supply so it's very important to understand, again, the same example, right? If someone is searching for black dresses online and you have a landing page, let's say a blog page, and you're just talking about black dresses, different type of black dresses, that's not what user was looking for. Even though your page was optimized for that particular keyword and somehow you're ranking, but you won't be able to retain that those rankings forever. So you definitely need to have some inventory where you have black dresses showcased there and user can buy uh, the black dresses on your website. That's the supply I'm talking about here. You talked about informational. You also talked about commercial. Uh, are there any other buckets that you in put people in for with regards to intent? Yeah, so informational, uh, commercial, navigational, transactional. These are the four intents, for example, you can get in SEMrush. And I think, yeah, they cover everything. Okay, so you summarized 
informational intent and commercial intent. So I guess it would be useful to summarise navigational and transactional intent and the differences. So shall we start with navigational? How would you define that? Yeah, absolutely. So navigational is mostly like branded where someone is looking for, you know, a particular brand they want to navigate and they're very clear like what uh, brand they want to land on. So if I'm searching for, for example, iPhone X Amazon, well, that is more uh, navigational than commercial in this case, because I'm very clear that I want to go to Amazon. So that is navigational for me. Okay, okay. Uh, you covered an informational, so people trying to learn something about something. Transactional, we haven't covered. How do you define transactional? Yeah, transactional is, is, is I think there's a good overlap and there is a lot of confusion uh, between transactional and commercial because transactional is also when a user wants to transact, right? So yeah, I would, well, for me, like I sometimes kind of, yeah, use maybe either of two, where the intent is very, you know, I think it, there's, it's like very thin line between these two intents to me. Yeah, but between commercial and transactional, yeah. Because I mean, commercial yeah. is more about people learning something specific before they intend to tr- transact. So uh, yeah. I guess that means the transactional intent would come at the, the, the bottom of the funnel. Exactly, yeah. That, that's exactly uh, right way to put it. Right, okay. Something else you mentioned at the beginning uh, was um, you need to focus on this, i.e., intent and um, is establishing the right um, keywords and kind of targeting the right people rather than parameters that don't matter. So so what are the parameters that don't matter as far as you're concerned? Yeah, well, parameters which do not matter is mainly, so I've seen like a lot of companies, a lot of big companies here, they are over-optimizing some of the aspects because Google mentioned something and they are going mad behind that, you know, And so I would say we should not do that and we should not go behind that. And for example, I was working with a company, a big company, and they are at a core web vital performance score somewhere around 90. And now they're like, hey, we want to touch 100 here. And like, they just want to touch 100 because, you know, Google said it's like one of the important ranking factors. So they just want to go behind that. And from effort estimation perspective, it's a massive, massive task. So my recommendation would be do not go behind these uh, fancy numbers. Just focus on user experience. And if you if you think, you know, from 90 to 100 would take a lot of time, I would rather suggest you to spend that time on building something good for users. Understood. Okay. And I'd like to focus just a little bit more time on the content itself, because it's it's relatively easy to establish which keyword phrases that you should be targeting, what the likely intent is behind that, looking at keyword difficulty and other metrics that you introduced there as well. But in terms of the content itself, how you go about selecting and and writing a piece of content or even deciding between written content and and video content and things like that, what trends are you seeing in content type that are really effective at the moment? Yeah, well, I think it really depends on, uh, you know, the kind of niche you are in. And uh, for example, like if you talk about e-commerce, so video is also trending a lot. And if you see Amazon Live, which is right now only available in the US, and there are a lot of, uh, so I recently spoke with an early stage uh, startup. They're also building a similar product here in Germany. So there are a lot of products which uh, where you can just go and sell your stuff through a video, right? So e-commerce video is a, a hot concept and it has been trending. And about the content in general, it really depends, like, you know, what kind of content. For example, let's, let's talk about travel, 
right so there people wants to see videos they want uh, some inspiration from the videos they want to see okay well we're going to norway let's see you know the lakes there let's see the mountains there they want some inspiration through uh, images which words cannot describe or maybe words cannot do the justice with right so there in case of travel i think video can be fantastic and yes there are people who are even for travel uh, i'm myself included right i love to read about places i love to see images right so video is of course important so maybe you know when i i'm like on a kind of break and want to watch some videos i still want to watch those videos so in this case i think for someone like me both the content mediums would be great but if someone let's say wants to buy an insurance in that case they do not want videos they probably just want to see uh, read an article about the details and probably not even articles maybe directly product pages right so they just go to product pages compare uh, insurance a versus b yeah that's that's more than enough for them so it really depends what a niche uh, we talking about and based on that niche the content strategy is generally made yeah, live video is a tricky one. You mentioned Amazon Live, and I've actually got access to Amazon Live, and I've I've, I've experimented with it a little bit. I haven't done too much on it. Uh, yeah. I happen to be based in the UK, and. It's it's available as you say on the Amazon dot com website, which is which is basically targeting America. You know, people yeah. can s- sign up for it, but you're only going to get access to the Amazon shop in in the states and be able to publish uh, effectively to the US audience. What are your thoughts in general then about live video as a content medium? Because I guess there are pros and cons with it. Um, I, I think the con is that you're not necessarily for replay viewers going to be producing a piece of content that is of high quality because it's not fully edited. So it might not be as enticing and appealing for replay viewers. But then again, you can drive live audiences to to interact with your brand a little bit more. So there are pros and cons there. Are, are you seeing any particular trends with live video and the type of brands that are being quite successful with that? Well, I think it's it's like the concept is still in developing phase and uh, right now the numbers even if we talk about any demand numbers so what I was looking at was so there is another american brand that does the same it's it's called what not yeah i think it's called whatnot.com and they have been doing this and they are uh, pretty successful because amazon live is uh, rather new but they are established players in the market so i was looking at their you know like how they are doing during my research phase when i was consulting this early stage startup here in germany so they also have a lot of categories where people are searching for category name and then video sale or something like that but the numbers are rather low right now because the concept is still developing and uh, these brands are spending a lot of money educating the users that this is also possible so you don't have to go to amazon by default and on the on their product pages or category pages to buy products you can also take a look at these products and uh, hear from the experts you know why you should get it interesting so they're using amazon live to actually drive people off amazon then <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly wow okay I mean, that, that's that's an interesting use of it. I, I think it's an important message to say, if a content publishing opportunity rears its head, then perhaps just put a little bit of budget to experimenting with it just to see if it's right for your brand. Don't build a strategy around it to begin with. You know, see what kind of metrics you get, you're getting from it. But um, I think it's also an important metric or an important message to demonstrate that SEOs need to be thinking outside the Google box or outside the traditional search engine box and that 
Apple Podcasts, that YouTube and other platforms like Amazon are search engines as well. Yes, absolutely. I think even though you are an SEO, but you should definitely have this growth mindset. And like you mentioned, you know, think outside this Google box because there are a lot of opportunities. I've been working with a publisher and uh, like most of the traffic is coming from Google News, right? And that has like a different set of parameters that you're looking at. It's not very standard SEO, right? And when you work with, uh, for example, so I was working with another brand as well. And for them, 70% of their traffic was coming from Discover. And that's a different ball game altogether. That's not you know standard SEO that you work on. So from growth perspective, we should always look at every single opportunity which can uh, get traffic to us. So yeah, SEO is not just SEO, it's much more than that. Absolutely, and um, if you want to find out more about um, SEO for Google News, check out what Barry Adams is doing as well. He's doing some great stuff um, for optimizing that. Well, um, Nissa Manchanda is finder at Botpresso, and you can find him over at botpresso.com. Nissan, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2023. Thanks for having me, David. Goodbye. Get your copy of SEO in 2023, the book, over at seoin2023.com. 